0: Hello everyone, this is Larry Wessels with just a brief introduction to the video you're about to see. You're about to hear an inspiring sermon by foreign missionary David Sitton, who is one of our many foreign missionaries, My Church Dayspring Fellowship, health sponsor, website www.dsf.org. David Sitton has been a missionary to Papua New Guinea and Mexico. Here's a book written by Ernest Herndon. An author and journalist talking about the over 30 years of missionary exploration by veteran missionary David Sitton, who has trekked the wildest part of Papua New Guinea with the gospel of Jesus Christ since his teen years. Here's freeze frame clips from two other David Sitton videos we have posted on our YouTube channel, See Answers TV. So you want to be a Christian missionary? Here's how it's done in animistic Papua New Guinea. The other video is Foreign Missions for Christ, preaching to cannibals, witch doctors, and tribal natives. Here's a book written by David Sitton himself and a missionary DVD his ministry has produced about his exploits. David Sitton is the founder and president of To Every Tribe Ministries, which sponsors the Center for Pioneer Church Planning, headquartered in Los Fresnos, Texas. Here you see the contact information. Here is general information about the missionary training ministry. Here's the statement of faith. Please pause the video if you would like more time to read all of the information. Here are the current missionaries involved around the world and the missionary training coordinators. If you have an interest in becoming a Christian missionary or are interested in helping the ongoing work of this outreach, please contact To Every Tribe today. And now, David Sitton preaches at my home church,
1: Dayspring Fellowship, in Austin, Texas. You may be seated, and our children can go out to Children's Church at this time. Usually when we have a guest uh, preacher, I uh, include uh, a little write-up about uh, him in our bulletin. And we had so many announcements, I was unable to do that with our brother David Sitton, and so I want to uh, make up for that by giving him sort of an extended uh, introduction this morning. It's been years uh, since he has been uh, at this pulpit preaching to us on a Sunday morning. And many of you know him well. Uh, some of you are, uh, have no idea who he is and are being introduced to him for the first time. Most of you know him, uh, even if you've never met him. Uh, from the many books that he's written, books that have been written uh, about uh, him. Uh, he is a day springer and has a long history with us here. And so I want to uh, just talk a little bit about that. First, I want to mention how much I love this brother and how how dear he is to me, how important he is uh, in my life. When I first became a day springer here, uh, it was just around the time we were doing change for Chambri. And uh, so I remember uh, hearing about this village in Papua New Guinea, uh, then uh, getting to hear David uh, speak and uh, preach here and speak at the Salado conference. I watched as uh, Jim Hassey's uh, heart began to turn and uh, and, and, uh, turn towards missions as he and Lori uh, made the decision to uh, sell their stuff, quit their jobs, say goodbye to Austin and partner with us uh, to be uh, uh, first trainees at the Center for Pioneer Church Planning and then missionaries to the Oaxaca region of the tribal peoples in Mexico. When I was at seminary, I went and my understanding of missions was shaped uh, by David and by this congregation, by Jackson. um, I was in a Southern Baptist seminary, as you know, Southern Seminary, which uh, does missions slightly differently. And I uh, had um, uh, many opportunities to share uh, the way that uh, we see missions uh, ought to be accomplished and to share some of the many stories uh, that I had heard from David and Jackson over the years. And I think it was about 2006, 2007, uh, David Sitton and Rod Connor uh, pulled up. David came out with this big gulp of uh, soda and uh, they stayed in our home. Uh, and uh, David preached at a chapel, at Southern Seminary's chapel. They had never heard anything like it. I don't think they've invited him back again. It was it IT WAS AMAZING, THAT'S HOW GOOD IT WAS, uh, it, was IT WAS INCREDIBLE, AND um, THAT WAS A, a VERY PROVIDENTIAL uh, VISIT FOR US, BECAUSE I CAN REMEMBER BEING IN OUR LIVING ROOM, IN OUR HOME, AND, and DAVID AND ROD TALKING TO ME ABOUT uh, MY FUTURE PLANS, AND I began to tell them uh, how I was going to go into the PhD program and then I was going to go to Colorado Springs and I was going to be a professor of Greek and Hebrew and David listened uh, without saying a word until I was done and then he said to me, brother, you know Jackson's not always going to be here and you need to start praying about that. And we did. And uh, it was a prophetic uh, word from, uh, from my, my dear brother. Since I've uh, been here, I've been able to spend a lot of time with David going down uh, to uh, the Center for Pioneer Church Planning. He's entrusted uh, his trainees to me to, uh, to teach them reform theology and to teach them uh, basic linguistics, and that's been a great joy. Uh, he's trusted me to be on the board of uh, trustees to, uh, to Every Tribe Ministries, and that has been uh, a great uh, honor. I. Uh, I want to talk, uh, though, a little bit about David's um, history that goes uh, well uh, before I ever became acquainted with uh, Day Spring. And I want to do that by just reading some excerpts from uh, a letter that Jackson wrote and left. Jackson was fantastic at uh, keeping uh, notes, and uh, he. Um, he had a folder that, uh, that was left to me uh, titled Missions, and in this folder uh, there was this letter talking about uh, David and the importance uh, that David is to, uh, to this church and to our understanding uh, of missions. Before I do that, I do just want to mention that if you have not read Reckless Abandon, and this is just an excerpt of chapter, sample chapter, uh, you need to get a copy of this. If you're a Day Springer and you haven't read this, this is required reading of you. Uh, it, uh, it contains uh, stories about the founding pastor of this church and stories about uh, the elders of this church in cooperation with David and Tommy and, uh, and the mission uh, that uh, has been accomplished. Some of David's greatest stories are in here. Uh, so if, if, you don't, if you can't afford a copy, we'll get you a free copy. Just let me know. You have, you have to read this. Uh, and uh, just uh, in the mail today, I received this as a gift um, from David, uh, his, his brand-new book called Hard-Fighting Soul. Five years of pioneer gospel exploits for the glory of God. Uh, this was an early mentor in David's life who uh, sh- shaped him uh, and his understanding of missions. and so he's written a, a biography of him. Uh, I, I commend uh, this to you as well. So here's what Jackson writes.) <clears throat> Dayspring Fellowship remains enormously proud to be associated with David Sitton, and in my mind, I view, again, mental slides of Sitton taken over a period of 17 years. This was written in 1997. Here is Sitton recovering in 1980 at Ben Fletcher's house, getting over malaria with wig attached due to hair loss, and asking the saints to pray for a wife. Click. Now it's sitting, befuddled, sitting across my kitchen table, amazed at election, effectual calling, the doctrines of grace, and a whole new way of preaching and praying. He has books stacked beside him. They will be dangerous. Click. <laughs> sitting, sacked by the churches of Christ, but happy nonetheless with the beautiful, dark haired girl beside him, Tommy, the answer to prayer. In Sitton's hand is a little cheap magazine, the sword and trowel, the harbinger of a new beginning. Click. Sittin' six feet tall as proud papa of Joshua David, a tiny, diapered elf. Click. <laughs> Sitton, preaching at the old legion hall where Spring met for ten years, always urging faithfulness, overcome at the thought of the saints in New Guinea. Click. Sittin' smiling with Tommy and Joshua and now Barbara and Jimmy, standing in the dusk on the runway in walk, greeting Barbara and me 12,000 miles from home. Click. Sittin' munching on greens and sack-sack in the lantern light of a shed and Rabiawa. He says to... How do I say it? Rabiawa. Rabiawa. <laughs> he says to Barbara... There's some kind of meat in here, just at the moment that she pulls a field rat bone from her mouth. <laughs> Click. Sitting, preaching again in the new God-given Dayspring Chapel. Click. Sit, Sitting settled in a house, in the study of studies with a Rasaka outback, surrounded by family and more and more friends, headquartered to await the Lord's next instructions. Who knows what future slides will come after the next click. Whatever they are, we know that they will show the fruit of an ever-widening, steadily deepening, always committed ministry. May it be so for Jesus' sake. I will simply say one final thing by way of summing up my regard for David Sitton as a friend and a missionary. He has become one of the greatest influences in my life and in the life of this church. I think I can put it this way. Jesus used his words to give me a duty for missions. He used David to give me a love for missions. I apologized in advance to David for doing that to him and... uh, Now I call our brother up here to speak to us.
2: That's very unfair. Ben asked me a few minutes ago if I was going to give a real sermon. (laughs) If Psalm 22 is a real text, then I pray we're going to have a real sermon. But real sermons are always mixed with reminiscing and with testimony. Uh, so Paul in the book of Acts gave us testimony, chapter 9, chapter 22, chapter 26. You probably have heard some of mine, and you're going to hear some more of it, some repetition of it, maybe some new things, hopefully, as we go along. That Isaac Watts song that we sang a few moments ago, verse 2, sang a truth about the hardships that we will face in this world. And that is a promise. In this world you will have tribulation. Not maybe. You will. The world hates the gospel. It hates Jesus. And it will hate you when you go in his name. One of those places where the Apostle Paul gave his testimony is in Acts 26. And I love the way Jesus said it to Paul when Jesus slapped him down as a terrorist. He was the Bin Laden of his day. He was on his way to Damascus on a mission to kill to imprison believers. And God stopped him with a bright light. Blinded him. Knocked him down. Saved him and sent him on another kind of mission. And Jesus told him that when you go, Saul, Paul, when you go, And you give this message, this message is going to do three things. Really, one thing, three descriptions of it. Jesus said, I am sending you, Paul, to open their eyes. That's what the gospel does. It opens eyes. I think of Lydia. She heard the gospel, and it says that the Lord opened her heart, and she believed. The gospel, it opens eyes. And Jesus said to Paul, I will use you and this message of the gospel to turn them, turn people, from darkness to light. And thirdly, I will use this message to drag them. That's what the Greek says. I'm going to drag them out of the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God. For this reason, so that they may receive forgiveness of their sins and a place among those who are sanctified in me. What a mission that he sent Paul on. But that's what the gospel does. That's what it did for me I added it up this morning, 39 years ago when it dragged me off of a surfing beach and out of a drug culture and out of just a a life of rebellion and going my own way, turned me, set me on this mission, put me into a place where a missionary came along my path and challenged me said let's go get some for Jesus and you know okay (laughs) and eight months later I'm in New Guinea with a suitcase and a surfboard and a Bible come back Jackson mentioned it you know sick going bald-headed you know that's not not a good thing you know when you were an old hippie Went to New Guinea, my hair was still this long and came back and it was this long. Had another girlfriend that was uh, renting a a room in Ben's house and she said, you know, you need to come to meet these people, I think that they are a cult. And being the good Church of Christ boy that I was, I was going to go and show Ben the way of the Lord more perfectly. And that's when I began to get the hook set into me about the wonderful truths, the sovereignty of God, election, predestination, those things. This church, 38 years ago now, Said Ben and Jackson called me in, and they said, well, brother, we're going to support your ministry, um, $200 a month. And I said, no, don't do that, because I'm never going to believe an election. You know, I'm never going to believe that. And Ben laughed, and he said, well, then, in addition to the support we're going to give you, we're going to give you this stack of books. (laughs) And so I went to New Guinea, uh, newly, newly wed, uh, read those books, and 14 months later had to inform our churches that we needed to come back and have a chat because the message that we were now preaching is not the one that they sent us to preach. Had a different twist to it, you <laughs> no. and we lost all of our support, and I went to Jackson, and I said, well, brother, you've gotten us into this. You know, Day Spring wrapped their arms around me, pulled out that sword and trial magazine that had five names of five men and they were the only five Calvinists that either one of us knew. And we started calling them and writing them and support came and we were sent back to New Guinea and the decades go by. You can begin turning to Psalm 22. sure how much to say. Somebody reminded me the other day that when somebody would preach too long, Jackson would get antsy and would start rubbing his leg. <laughs> I don't want to see Greg rubbing his leg. So, Psalm 22. We're just going to look at a couple of verses in this Chapter, but you need to know this is just one of dozens and dozens of passages that I could turn to. The Bible, Old and New Testament, it is full of bold declarations that the gospel will someday go so completely across this earth that it's going to be like water covering the sea. What does that mean? That's saturation. We get these promises all the way from the book of Genesis and just every single book of the Bible. We come to Malachi at the end of the Old Testament. And here's another one. That that God himself says. This is not Malachi speaking. This is the Lord says through Malachi. He says my name will be great. Don't you love that certainty? Will be. Not maybe. Not hope so. Not wringing my hands. And wondering how I'm going to get a missionary. Into North, Ind- North India or North Korea. No. My name will be great. From the rising to the setting of the sun. In every place, my name will be great among the nations. Ethnicities, not countries. My name will be great, says the Lord Almighty. These are not, as I just said, not statements of what God hopes will come true. How many of you know God does not hope? He doesn't hope. He acts. He decrees. He accomplishes. He gets His desire done in the earth. Completely, infallibly, He gets it done. And what does He want done? He wants a people in heaven, drawn out of all of the people groups of the heaven. So completely that when this earth ends at the return of Christ, the apostle John was given that grace to see into heaven and to see the reality of what will be in that day. And he saw all kinds of wonderful things. You know, the four living creatures and they're falling down, giving praise to God, holy, holy, holy. All of the angels, holy, holy, holy to to the Lord. The elders, he sees all of these wild and weird and wonderful things, but he sees people. John sees people in heaven. A number that no man can count maybe even with computers. A number no man can count. And where did they come from? Come on now. Every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every people. And I've told you before that in in Papua New Guinea, there are places where you can walk five days and you can get to a tribe, a language people group, that might be only 30 people that speak that language. And what I'm saying is that they are not outside of the text. That the gospel is intended for them too. That there's going to be some of them drawn out of that remote place in the bush of New Guinea and they're going to be there. And in that last day, God is going to be praised. He's going to be worshipped. Red, yellow, black and white, right? They're all precious in His sight. And every other color and every language and variety of people that's ever walked on the planet, they're going to be there. That's how extensive the love of God is for this world. So, what does He want to get done? He wants heaven full of all of the people groups. And in the last day, there is not going to be a single ethnicity that is absent from heaven. This is glorious. This is where I get the, the title you know, for the message that this, this, we're, we are on a mission. The church is on a mission that cannot fail. It cannot fail because Jesus cannot fail. His promises cannot fail. Almost, almost to Psalm 22. Anybody know what the world population is today? I've got a little um, they call it a world population clock that comes up on my computer where I can just you know just see the numbers the numbers The last time I looked at it November 21st it was 7.276 billion it's over 7.3 and a half billion people on the planet today And so on the one hand we say we are on a mission that cannot fail And then on the other hand, we say the world is hugely still unreached. It's not going to fail, but look at the situation today in the world where some would say 6,973 people groups are still without any access or knowledge about the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, how do they know that, 6,973? That's an estimate nobody knows for sure. But what we do know is that there are thousands and thousands of places on the planet where never in the history of those people have they heard or have a credible witness to the gospel among them Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, Chinese, Russians, Indians, animistic people groups. No access. No access means that people are born and buried. Never hear his name. Not only that, but for generations this has been true. Where generations of peoples are born, they live and they die, and they never hear his name. As David Platt said the other night, that is intolerable. The world remains hugely unreached, and that's a problem. Doesn't change this, that the mission is not going to fail, but we're not there yet. We're here. And Psalm 22, in verses 27 and 28, reiterates this promise about the surety of what the Lord's going to do in the earth. And he says in verse 27, the psalmist says, all of the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord and all of the families of the nations will bow down before Him for dominion belongs to the Lord and He rules over The nations. Dozens of texts that say exactly the same thing. This is just one that to every tribe we camp on. It so well describes two of the things that we are committed to as a ministry. Number one is that we want to get the gospel not just to places where he's already known, but we want to get him known churches established in places, people groups, nations, where it's never been established before. But secondly, the truth is that the Lord, not only will He remember them, He's going to remember not just all of the nations, tribes, tongues, and peoples, but it says here, He breaks it down even more, He says even the families of nations are going to bow down before Him. I remember one time in Chambri. Chambri is 1,700 people. It's a tribe on this island, and there's a lot of different clans, which would be a family of a nation. And I shared this text with them. I said, the gospel is not only for the world. It's not only for New Guinea, and it's not even only for the Chambri.
0: It's for all of your clans, every one of you. Get all the way back to the Tower of Babel. How many years ago was that?
2: I bet Wessels could tell us. <laughs> it's not going to be more than seven, 8,000 years. 10,000 max. But that's a long time for oral societies, oral cultures. How are they going to... They don't have libraries. How is this story transmitted generation... for almost 10,000 years? God preserved the story. It just was passed down as as warriors are sitting around their campfire telling all of their other mythologies and and legends. Tucked in there are these stories about a flood and about a tower. Don't intend to give you that whole story of the kooka kookas, but... You know, after they became converted, I mean, and it was radical conversion, burning bows and arrows and spears. These warriors, some of them came back to me and they said, now we understand. Why in the old days, just, you know, like months, months ago, we would go out on these tribal raids and kill men, women, children, rape the women, burn the villages, bring one or two warriors back and we'd eat them. We'd put them on rotisseries and cook them like pigs and eat them. And they said, you know, now we understand why we never felt good about it. <laughs> Even when we would go out and we would win, we would come back and there was like always oppression and depression. And another guy said, yeah, you know, now I know why. I slept with all these women that I wasn't married to. They didn't have the word of God, the law. They didn't have the Ten Commandments that said, Don't, thou shalt not kill or thou shalt not commit adultery. But they had that morality. It was written on their hearts. And thousands of years go by and finally some knucklehead from Texas <laughs> comes traipsing into their villages with the story of the flood and these, these cannibals are falling down at, their, at my, our feet almost saying, tell us more. You must be from God. How could you know our stories? Because all of the nations of the earth, the ends of the earth, they will remember and they will turn all the families of the nations. And it's going to happen because there is one who has dominion over all of the earth and all of the peoples. And he has a purpose, he has a mission that he's going to draw his people out, his elect ones. How many are going to be snatched out of his hand, Ben? What a privilege that the Lord has put this into our hands. He could have said to the angels, Go get them, boys, and, and the nations be reached like that. And he might do that at the end of the... You know, if he has to, he will, because his, his purpose is not going to be thwarted. But he didn't give the commission to angels. He gave it to us. bunch of cracked pots. <laughs> right? That's what Paul said jars of clay he put this eternal gospel and he said you go you take it and through you as though I myself am speaking through you you're going to give them the way of reconciliation to me amazing there is a crushing need for more missionaries. We need missionaries. We need lots of missionaries. But we need the right kinds of missionaries. We need the kinds that have a right theology for one thing. But even beyond theology, but I think this can come out of the theology. If we have the right theology of, as the sovereignty of God, and you know, Piper would say the sovereignty of God, what does that mean? It means the supremacy of Christ in everything, brother. <laughs> that's what he would say. But that's what we believe, right? When we, we talk about the doctrines, of it, uh, it all points to the supremacy of Jesus Christ in everything. We need the right kind of missionaries. And the only way I know to get them is to pray for them. And that's what we talked about. And those of you, how many of you, maybe just a small number of you heard the simulcast the other night, but a few of you. This is what we did the other night. We did the text where Jesus said, You know, ask me as the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers. That's how you get them. You don't go around the country, you know, twisting people's arms and trying to talk them into it. If you talk somebody into being a missionary, the hardships of the field are going to talk them out of it in about a year and a half. They're not going to last. But if the Lord sends them, they're going to have perseverance and endurance. They're going to be able to to hang in for the long haul. When I talk like this, Ben, you know this brother too, in Corpus, a friend of mine. You know, he would say, well, it sounds to me like you think that these doctrines, that God's just got it rigged. (laughs) I said, no, it's not rigged. It's better than that. (laughs) It's better than that. It's not rigged. It's predestined. Meaning that God has this thing sovereignly and lovingly and infallibly ordained. It's just going to get done. Because he is the Lord of the harvest. And he gets what he wants. Jesus sweats nothing. He's not worried about North Korea. He's not worried about ISIS. Or Al-Qaeda. He laughs at them. In their foolishness. But we need the right kind of missionaries because ISIS is a reality. And I've talked like this to you over the years. And maybe some of you thought I was crazy about needing martyrs to go. But I don't think you're laughing now. Because we cannot go two days without hearing in the news of 21 more having their heads chopped off on a beach because they love Jesus. It's happening. It always has. Just now with the internet, we hear about it more. Maybe it's happening more, but it's always happened. It always will happen. But the right kind of missionaries are the ones who say, ISIS, what about them? Remember... John Patton, remember that guy? Missionary to the New Hebrides. And he's trying to convince, we were talking about them the other day. uh, He's trying to convince his elders of his church to send him to the New, New Hebrides cannibals. And one of the elders jumps up and says, Sir, Mr. Patton, if you go there, those cannibals will eat you, sir. Don't go there. And John Patton said, Sir, you're an old man. Soon to be laid in the grave. Soon to be eaten by worms. It doesn't matter to me if I'm eaten by worms or by cannibals. That's the right kind of missionary. Like the Fijians who didn't have suitcases. And so they packed their belongings into their own coffins. And they sailed across the oceans on their canoes and spearheaded the gospel into New Guinea. It wasn't the gringos, the white guys, that were the first missionaries into New Guinea. It was the, the Fijians. And whole groups of them, waves of them were slaughtered by cannibals, wiped out by malarial fevers, but they just kept coming, 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 coming. Just like the, the, the marines at Iwo Jima, Right? They just keep climbing up on on the rocks, the lava rock of Iwo Jima, and they're just wiped out and wiped out and wiped out because the Japanese are hidden. And our guys were on top of the lava rock. They're just wiped out, wiped out, wiped out. But wave after wave after wave until finally they get a little bit of a stronghold and they're able to make a hundred yards of progress. And eventually we take the island and we win the war. That's the way it is in these places where Christ is not known. You're not going to go into these places without opposition. We're not going to go into the Muslim world and reap wildly without the the shedding of blood. It's not going to happen. It's never been that way. It's never been the Lord's intent for it to be that way. Jesus came as a baby sheep. Among wolves. Think of that picture. Baby sheep among wolves. He's predicting a slaughter. Because that's what wolves do to baby sheep. And then Jesus turns to us and he says, I am sending you into the world just like the Father sent me, as lambs among wolves. So put it all together. We are on a mission that cannot fail. Every nation will be reached. Every intended elect individual will be saved. But the taking of that gospel is going to be done by people. It's like saved sheep getting to go out and find lost sheep. That's what happens. And through many hardships, the job is done. And the end of the story is going to be some missionary somewhere, somehow, walking over a hill, and he gives that last message, and the last of the intended elect from God. His heart is open, he believes, and I think Jesus is going to stand up and say, let's go get him." And that's what 24, 14 of Matthew says, that the gospel here, again, the surety, it will be preached in all of the world, the whole world, as a testimony to all nations, all ethnicities. And then the end will come. Not before. Dayspring has always, as long as I've known you, and I've known this church since about, 2 years after Jackson and Barbara started it have always been eager to put your hands to the plow of mission it never took a whole lot of convincing it was already in their hearts to do but these are new days 4 decades almost have gone by now i'm not a young boy anymore Ben, the mission still cannot fail the world is still hugely unreached we still need laborers there's still only one way to get them we pray for them the Lord is raising them up if I can just say this I'm looking at the clock there don't be rubbing your leg over there when we were dragged off of the field because we couldn't get our visas to stay there and we were in California for a year or two with the U.S. Center for World Mission and I kept trying to get back to New Guinea and Jackson kept telling me, he says, it's okay brother, be at peace, be at peace, the Lord is sovereign. I'm saying, yeah, well, you know, I'm gonna find a way to back in the New Guinea. It didn't happen. We couldn't find a way back in the New Guinea. And I called him up and I said, okay, if, if we can't go back to New Guinea, then we, we're going to come back to Texas. He says, praise God, brother. <sighs> I said, I didn't say praise God. I said, we're coming back to Texas. <laughs> I'm still wanting to get back to New Guinea. And, and he, you talk about prophetic words. Jackson said, brother, praise be to God. He says, what if? He said, you, you can continue to go to New Guinea on short terms because you can get a, a, a tourist visa any time. Go go to New Guinea. Go as many times as you want. Go five times in a year. But what if, what if the Lord has you do that, but at the same time, what if you begin to train others? And what if, what if the Lord brings you 15 or 20 or 50 or 100? He stopped at 100. What if the Lord brings you 100 that you're able to invest into and train and they go to the nations? They're going to do so much more collectively than you could ever do as one guy sweating it out in a village somewhere. Well, I couldn't argue with the logic. I didn't like the heart of it so much because I wanted to be there. But the older you get, you know, the knees go out, you know. <laughs> and things start happening, you know. You're not able to go walk in five days, you're not able to do it with the same endurance and intensity and, and all of that. And also what happens is you, I, I begin to really catch that vision because the amazing thing is to every tribe ministry we have visas into New Guinea now. The prime minister himself gave me 30 missionary visas to New Guinea. If I want to go live in New Guinea, I can go today. But I don't do it. Because I've caught a vision of what Jackson was trying to say to me, and in my hard-headedness, I wasn't getting it. But to have a bigger picture, and I was beginning to learn that, that one of the the important thing is not so much what do you want to do, but what is best for the overall work of the gospel. Sometimes it's, it, Sometimes you have to learn, you can't always do what you most want to do. You have to do what is most effective for what he wants to accomplish. It's not about you. It's bigger than you. That's what I think Jackson was trying to say to me. I didn't get it immediately. I get it now. I'm not going to New Guinea. I'm not going to go live in New Guinea. I, I say that. <laughs> I have this argument with myself about three or four times a month. But, but my heart is, I'm, I'm not going to go rush off to New Guinea just because that's what I most want to do because I've got this, this vision. that Friday night. Do you realize what happened on Friday night? Every year, it seems like something happens to me where I just really, really wish that Jackson was here to see it. Because he stopped at 100. He said, well, what if the Lord brings you 20 or 50 or 100? The early reports out of CrossCon is that there are at least 30,000 people who heard that broadcast, in all 50 states and at least 11 countries. Within hours of the broadcast being finished, we began hearing reports that little mini revivals were beginning to happen in different places. Masters College was one place that was was mentioned, and it even had a picture of just people just in prayer, long after the simulcast had been finished, and the Lord was falling on people. How, how did that happen? Because some, some of us have been praying and fasting. Because when Jesus says, pray to the Lord of the harvest, He means ask, plead, beg. It means grab hold of God and don't let go of Him on this. And he, He's pleased when you pray that way. And then He's going he's gonna to force them out. You pray that way, and then he's going to force them out. That's what, that's what we're already beginning to see all around this country. I'm, I'm eager to get home tomorrow so I can find out what, what, what really is going on. Piper and, and, and you know he, he said it first, and I seconded it. You know, praying, Lord, from this night on Friday night, would you give us a thousand for the nations? Jackson stopped at a hundred. I want to let him know he was thinking too small. <laughs> he, he was thinking too small, but he was thinking prophetically, and he was thinking with vision. And he was looking at a little knucklehead. How is he going to ever... Who, do you understand what a miracle this is? That the Lord would give me, and then through me, you, this kind of platform for challenging young people all around this world to go and finish this mission that cannot fail. You see the important, vital place that little old Dayspring and little old Dave can have in the internal purpose of God? Staggering. Next week, I'm gonna be in New Guinea. I get to go back to New Guinea. I'm taking four or five of our trainees. But not just there. Here, here, here's, I'll end with this. But, you know, our training, 40% of it's on-the-job training, and every spring we send our guys all over the world with experienced missionaries so that they can be with an experienced missionary who will help them put into practice in a field the things that they're learning in a classroom. So I'm taking a handful to New Guinea, but we also have a team that's going into southern Mexico, and the Hassies will be a part of that You know, a group that joins the Hassies and Haglers and some other of our guys. They're going to go into an unreached people group called the Kiyogalani. I think there's two believers in the entire people group. They don't even speak Spanish. But that's happening next week. Actually, it's happening tomorrow. The guys from Los Fresnos are leaving tomorrow morning to southern Mexico. We've got two families going into Canada. Unreached peoples in Canada? Oh, Yeah. Northwest Ontario, 10 hours drive straight north of Minneapolis. A people group, Indian people group called the Ojibwe. Two families. It's 40 below, negative 40 right now. Two families with little babies, potentially hostile place. They're going. We're targeting South Asia. I'm told to say South Asia, India. Ireland. We've got two, a family and a young person wanting to go to Ireland. We've got three families going to Peru. We've got a brother that has burdened. He's burdened for the Muslims in Nigeria. We're trying to get into the Muslim world. The reason the Son of God came was to destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3.8 He did it. It is finished, right? The work of redemption. Nothing to add to that. But what is lacking is the application of the message. The taking of the message to the nations. That's what we get to do. Hear that? We get to do this. Don't have to. We get to. Oh, we have to. It's a command. More than that, it's a privilege. Thank you, Day Spring. Thank you guys for putting your arms around us, sending us, for supporting so well. Not just us, but just about every just you elders are so encouraging to me. I mean, Greg, every time you say this to me, I I say, how can you do this? It's just like, he says, you know, he'll he'll hear about the hagglers or somebody, and he'll say, well, bring it, send them through Dayspring. And he'll hear about somebody else, send them through Dayspring. I'm saying, Dayspring, you're just a small group, and you just keep stretching your arms wider and wider and wider around all of these missionaries. In big and small ways, you're doing it. And God's using you in a mighty way, brother. I don't know how to stop. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Jackson would just yeah. Come up here. And as my new pastor—not my new pastor, my brother—would you help finish my message? Maybe by praying to the Lord of the harvest, and again, asking the Lord to dislodge some of these dayspringers
1: Absolutely. for the nations. <laughs> Thank you, brother. One amazing thing that I noticed on Friday night with that simulcast is um, David Platt, who's just a kid, uh, who is now the president of the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, was speaking, and in his words, the phrases, the ideas that he was expressing, you could see the DNA of David Sitton. And so David is not only having an influence on all of these young people who are already launching to places like the First Nations in Canada, Papua New Guinea and Mexico and India and Ireland, uh, but he's now from the top down influencing the International Mission Board. Uh, which is the largest missions organization in the world uh, it 's an amazing amazing thing to behold let 's uh, let 's pray for some of these things, our gracious God and heavenly Father, we pray to you as the Lord of the harvest, that you would drive out, cast out of this congregation and many many congregations the very best and gifted of your people to the nations. We pray, Lord, that you would do this to reach the unreached, the peoples who have never heard the name of Jesus, have, have no hope you would bring the gospel to them and that you would accomplish what we have seen in Psalm 22. We pray, Lord, that you would do this for your great namesake, for your glory, and for the joy of the nations. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, please stand together. I want to encourage those of you who are members of our missionary prayer teams, Team Barber and uh, Team, or sorry, uh, Team Berger and Team Hassey. Uh, to uh, not leave here today without uh, uh, speaking uh, to, to David and uh, just give give a word uh, to David that he can pass along to the Hassies and uh, to Chris Berger. Uh, that, that team will be leaving as he arrives tomorrow, so he can pass that along. If you have any birthday cards for uh, Chris, who's turned 40, uh, you can uh, pass that along uh, to David as well. And uh, David and Tommy recently sent us a thank you card, which I put on our board back in the. Fellowship, Paul, thanking us for all of these years of ministry together. And I encourage you to read that too. But uh, David's in no rush to leave. He's going to hang out uh, here for a while. So uh, make time to visit with him. Ask him uh, more about uh, what the Lord is, is doing. He could go on for another hour, and I'd be happy to, to listen to it because it's exciting stuff what, uh, what God has been at work doing. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Check out our websites, biblequery.org. This site answers 7,700 Bible questions. Historycart.com. This site reveals early church history and doctrine proving Roman Catholicism is not historically or doctrinally viable. Muslimhope.com. This site is a classic refutation of Islam A counterfeit religion created by Muhammad. Free newsletters are also available.
0: Hello this is Larry Wessels, director of Christian Answers of Austin, Texas. Christian debater. My daughter Marlena has come out with a Christian music CD entitled Win This Fight. It has eight songs that she has written and performed herself. Some of the song titles are Win this fight, love song to my Lord, vessel to you, waiting to hear from you, Jesus is and others. YouTube viewers can listen and see Marlena's music video, Jesus Is, right now, free. Just type Marlena Wessels, M-A-R-L-E-N-A-W-E-S-S-E-L-S, in the YouTube search box, and click on her video on the page that comes next. If you would like more information about getting a copy of her CD, just email us at cdebater at aol.com. That's C-D-E-B-A-T-E-R at aol.com. Or give us a call at 512-218-8022. Thank you, and may the Lord bless you and yours.